It's in the game. Yeah! Welcome to a new edition of It's in the Game here on the Cruise Control Podcast. I am your host, Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J. C-R-U-Z. You can find this podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes, soundcloud.com slash cruise control podcast. Give us a rate, comment, download, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I'm joined by Mr. John Corrales from RedsArmy.com, the host of the Locked On Celtics podcast on iTunes, which you can find uh, every day of the week. He's on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. Big time Boston Celtic fan and covers the Celtics. John, my man, how you doing? I'm doing all right, man. How you doing? Doing good, man. You know, we were, you know, rapidly waiting for the NBA to start. You know, you 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 cover the Celtics. You're a Celtics fan. Uh, me here in New York, you know, Nick fan. And I, I think every time I have you on to talk about Boston, your team seems to change every single year. While while my team. Uh, you know, remains the same. You know, you guys are one time. You know, let's see if we can make the playoffs. The following time, and let's see if they could be a top four team. The following time, can they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals? And now we're talking about you guys. You know, likely making the NBA Finals. So, real quick, uh, how excited are you that every time I have you on the show, your team is getting better and better, man? <laughs> yeah, you got to keep having me on. Maybe some point we'll have like a special league, and they'll win like a, a world. The universe champions or something i don't uh-huh. know I'm, I'm excited because this is supposed to be a really really good season mm-hmm. uh i'm you know my natural inclination is to to worry a little bit when everybody says that they're supposed to be good i'm like all right hold on mm-hmm. wait a second w- w- what's going on here but yeah they're they're right there they'll they'll get a cup you know they'll get some challenge from Toronto, Philly, the, you know, the East, the top of the East is pretty good, mm-hmm. but they, they should be, they, they should get this together. They, they should be able to figure this out and it's going to be a long playoff run regardless. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Uh, have you gotten used to LeBron James being in the Western conference and no longer in the East? No, no. I see him in that Lakers uniform. It looks weird as hell, man. I cannot, <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. It's going to take a little while. I mean, look, I'm still getting used to Kyrie in a Celtics uniform. So mm. there, it's it, it's tough to kind of like process sometimes. Like, okay, okay, this is happening. <laughs> this makes sense now. Uh, LeBron in a Lakers uniform. I, I, I know. It, I know. That's going to take a while. I know, man. See him in that purple and gold. You know, me, you know me. I wish he was in blue and orange, but that's neither here or there. But uh, you know, it's just gonna again. Kyrie in, in green, even t- uh, Kawhi Leonard now in with Toronto. So a lot oh, of guys. Yeah. Um, DeRozan in San Antonio, Carmelo with the Rockets. So a lot of people have been on the move. So, but I think that the one player that people still need to get used to seeing in a different uniform is LeBron. And you know, you know, could you get a Lakers Celtics finals? Um, you know, coming soon, like we like we did in twenty uh, uh, two thousand eight and twenty ten and and prior. But I think you know if we do get that, John, um, that'll be one heck of a series. I, I I don't think this year, maybe not even next year. But um, if you were to see a Kyrie led Boston and a LeBron led Lakers finals, uh, how oh excited would you god. be for that? Oh my god! I mean, <laughs> that would be the ultimate. Just. Not only do you have Celtics Lakers in that rivalry, you got Kyrie going up against LeBron. That I'm like the the media would just lose their minds. Can you mm. imagine what TNT and ESPN 
just the madness that yeah. that would be. That who would Cleveland side with? You know, what would the city <laughs> of Cleveland do? Be like, uh, who who do you root for in that situation? Uh, it's that's gonna be that would be amazing. I don't know if that's ever gonna happen. I I hope it does, just because I always want a Celtics Lakers NBA Finals. But uh, yeah, that would be amazing. You know what, man? That would be a tough question for Cleveland to to answer. It's like, hey, would you would you root for a guy if Boston and LA make the finals in the near future? Would you root for a guy who won, uh, just left you guys and you got no compensation for it, or B, a guy who who wanted out because he did not really want to play with your best player? Who would you really side with? Yeah, I would think that the the tiebreaker would be uh, going with the guy from Cleveland, and mm. and rooting for LeBron. I mean, at least like LeBron leaving this time around, I felt like it was kind of, uh, most people in Cleveland accepted it. Yeah. They, they kind of knew it was coming and it wasn't like the, the first time around. So, and he, he got him a championship. So that's, I mean, obviously Kyrie got them a championship too, but you know, Kyrie wanted to leave and forced his way out. And I think people can say, well, Kyrie leaving cost us a potential second championship. Mm. Uh, so I, I think the, there's probably animosity towards Kyrie versus uh, LeBron. There's probably more animosity towards Kyrie, I think. Uh, how soon do you think we get Boston and L.A. the finals again? Well, not this season. Mm. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know if the Lakers – I could see the Lakers missing the playoffs this season. I, mm. And I could also see them – being a five seed so the the west is going to be crazy mm-hmm. i don't think that lebron went there to kind of make a big push for this season right. i really don't i feel like lebron was kind of like i need a year off from this craziness he's doing business in la his he, he's always had a home in la but like that's now his like home base like it's nice to do the stuff at home in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. It's nice to open that school. It's nice to do things for kids back in Akron, and he'll still do that. But his business empire, all of that stuff's being run out of Los Angeles. So he's probably like, yeah, let's just let let's just finish it off in Los Angeles. I got stuff to do there. Mm. And I'm not saying that basketball is secondary to LeBron, but I don't think he's going into this thinking like it'd be a bad thing if he had more time off in the summer. Dude's been to what? Eight straight finals. Yeah. Like that's, that takes a toll. You're playing NBA basketball through the middle of June. And then you got to come back the next season. You, you don't have the same two, three months off that other guys do, you know, like most, most players are their season ends in April and they've got, half of April, all of May, half of June to be on vacation before LeBron's like, okay, now I'm done work. These guys have all been in, you know, on their banana boats. So I'm sure he's pretty happy to take, take like an extra month or two off. And then next season when they have cap space and they bring in, is it going to be Kawhi? Is it going to be somebody else? Is it going to be Jimmy Butler? Who knows? Mm -hmm. But when he's, when he's got more star power to help him, I would expect that's when he can make a run. And then especially if Kevin Durant leaves the Warriors and that starts to break up. I mean, look, if if Durant goes to New York like yeah. people think he might, Love now it. you've got you got more more balance in the East because now Durant's going to make the Knicks really good. And then 
the West becomes a little bit more wide open. If LeBron gets some more help, then he could say, all right, now here we go. Now we're going to make our push. Now we're going to make our run. Theoretically, you know, uh, their their young players are going to be better. Brandon Ingram is going to have another year to be a potential, you know, really good, like third option star type player. And, you know, who knows what Lonzo becomes? Who knows what these young guys, Kuzma, becomes? That's when they can really make their push. So that, that's that's what I would expect. No no sooner than next season. Yeah, man. Kevin Durant would look very nice, very lovely in orange and blue. So would Kyrie Irving, but I don't think Kyrie's going to come. Uh, uh, you know, Durant, oh, man. I think, you know, if he comes here, Eastern Conference, New York Knicks, um, I think it'll definitely change the balance. Uh, of teams here in the East with him and Porzingis, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I doubt it'll, it'll happen because that, that's a that's a tough situation to leave. Like, let's say Durant wins a third ring and let's say a third Finals MVP. It's like, why would you want to leave there? And you know, you, you can keep on winning, winning, but sometimes I guess the more you win, the more bored you get. So maybe he might want a new challenge. But um, the one question I throw at you before we get into into the Celtics is, does Kyrie get a ring with Boston before LeBron gets a ring with the Lakers? Uh, yes. I think Boston is further ahead, and they've got, they've got uh, younger players that are more developed that are, are better. And so uh, Kyrie is, I think, fully healthy. I think he's fully committed. Uh, I think he, and he's going to get his, his big payday. He's, he's already said that he intends to stay in Boston. Mm-hmm. So you know, he'll stay. Hayward is slowly getting better. If Hayward returns to anywhere close to his all-star form, Jason Tatum is really damn good. Jalen yeah. Brown is really damn good. You know, Al Horford kind of keeps the whole thing together. He's the perfect fit for those guys. That team's going to be really, really good for the next. Look, they, if, if everybody stays and Tatum and Brown take the progression that they're supposed to take, then this team can be at or near the top of the Eastern Conference for the next eight, nine years. So in in somewhere in that stretch, I would imagine that they are able to break through. I would hope they're able to break through. And mm. like I said, LeBron needs more help out there, even though Ingram is, is good and developing into a really good player. Yeah. Lonzo Ball is only going into his second year. Kuzma's going into his second year. And there are question marks on those guys. You know, Lonzo's jump shot, uh, Kuzma's defense. You know, if you could if you could meld Kuzma and Lonzo Ball together into one player, you'd have the most amazing player in the league. But they they have question marks. And and what happens with the all of these one year deals that they signed, they've those all go away and they've got to rebuild a supporting cast next year. Then they've got plenty of cap space to do it, but how do they rebuild that supporting cast? So a lot more question marks for the Lakers before, you know, the Celtics are very, very stable and they, they have uh, just the path to a championship is a little shorter. The only thing is, you know, the Lakers have LeBron, but LeBron at this, at this point is getting older and I'll just use the cliche. Father time is undefeated. Mm-hmm. As great as LeBron has been, at some point he does start to slow down. And I, you just question exactly how much of an impact, uh, how much he's able to carry everybody on his back. How much longer is he, is, is he able to do it? And I mean, right now he's still amazing and a freak, but that's, we'll see. You know, one thing I want to bring up. Yeah. 
We talked about Durant. Think about this possibility. Mm -hmm. Durant goes to the Knicks. Jimmy Butler goes to the Brooklyn Nets. And now you have Toronto. What if Kawhi stays in Toronto? Now you get Toronto, Philly, Boston, the Knicks with Durant, the Nets with Jimmy Butler. The Atlantic Division would be a monster. You're right, and plus, you know, that's possible. That's, you know, that's it. I don't know how probable it is, but those are possibilities. Yeah, I mean, you you take those guys, and you know, going outside the Atlantic, you have you know Giannis in Milwaukee. You have Oladipo in Indiana. So you're getting not just one or two good teams. I think you're getting a good five, six, seven teams in, in, in the Eastern Conference that can compete year in, year out, where you can't say, well, it's, it's going to be Boston's year every single time. So, um, you know, me, so many times where I, I say, you know what, this guy can become a Nick, and, you know, I want this guy to come to, uh, to New York. And even when, you know, Butler said, in the beginning, he wanted to be either a Clipper, a Brooklyn Net, or a New York Nick. You know, I guess our brass is like, all right, Jimmy Butler, you're going to be a free agent uh, this summer. If you really want to come here, then you flat out sign here. So I guess the, our thinking now is like, we're not going to trade young talent and draft picks to get these guys like like we've done uh, before. So I like what the Knicks are doing, not really just saying, hey, we'll package three guys and a draft pick for Butler because there's no guarantee Butler would even stay. So hoping that, you know, if he decides to come, you know, to New York, uh, you know, let, let that happen when he's a free agent. Uh, but, if you know, for me, Kevin Durant or Kyrie, they need one of those guys. They do have poor zingers, but if they get another impactful player like Durant or Kyrie or something, somebody like that, um, then we could be talking about the Knicks being in very high playoff contention for the next four or five years. I, I agree. I actually, I'm for once. I think the Knicks are doing something the right way. It's yeah. amazing. It's it's exactly right, right? Exactly. Like I can't believe that the Knicks resisted a trade for <laughs> Jimmy Butler because that's exactly the Knicks kind of move yep. to say, "Hey, why don't we try to accelerate this process?" And you screw up and you give up a young player. Mm-hmm. I like I like what the Knicks. They actually. In this dark time of a Porzingis injury, they have an opportunity. Like all of these, any of these negative things that happen, also present opportunities. Like we don't want injuries. We don't want them, obviously. But look at the Celtics. The Celtics. Gordon Hayward had a horrific injury. Now nobody wanted right. that injury to happen. I wish it wish it didn't happen, but it did. So now, how do you look at that situation? Well. The positive side is that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown got opportunities that they wouldn't get. And now their development has advanced. Mm-hmm. And now that Hayward is back, they are seen as much more, uh, much bigger contributors. So with Porzingis out, you have Kevin Knox and you have Mitchell Robinson and you have guys that have an opportunity to get minutes and develop without any pressure, without everybody knows that they're not going to be great. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'd say most Nick fans are are thinking, hey, look, forget this season. Let's just watch these young guys. Enjoy the potential talent that we have. See if, what Tilakina can be. And if these young guys develop the right way and we get a high draft pick and we get Porzingis back, now you're in business. Now the Knicks are in business, and you still have max cap space. If you do all of that and then you get Durant, 
well, now look at this. The Knicks have done it right, and they've rebuilt, and they weren't they weren't impatient, and the Knicks will be good, uh, yeah. a force, and and you know a challenger in the East. So I mean, you could have the top four seeds in the East all come from the same division. Well. Without yeah. tiebreaks, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, then we could talk about you know New York and Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. Because last time I, I I remember me and you, uh, or not me and you, but our teams were in the playoffs together, and I think the Knicks beat y'all, right? Uh yeah, that was the thirteen. That was the that was the end of the uh, Pearson Garnett era. Oh uh, yeah, hey man. Nick Speecha, that's all I care about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, we could we could be sitting there in an old school from I'm looking from a Boston perspective, and I'm an eighties basketball guy. Mm. The the Celtics could soon make an old school run where their Eastern Conference playoff has to go through Philadelphia, New York, and then the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, that is eighties yeah. basketball returning. To the NBA, big time, you know, big cities, all classic historical rivals having, you know, how great would it be for for Sixers fans to knock the Celtics off? Mm-hmm. And, you know, a Philly Knicks series would be amazing. It's two two teams that hate each other. So we're, we're looking at a potential, you know, in, in the next two, three years for for something to shape up like that. It's like old school basketball comes back again. Yeah, like, like an old school renaissance. Yeah, I'd love it. Um, I did joke around with you in the beginning how like every time I have you on the show, your team get, keeps getting better. But you know, all jokes aside, your team has been getting better year in year out. Um, you know, last year when I had you on, we talked about you know they're good. I don't see them in the finals this year. Maybe next year. And now it's before Hayward got hurt and everything, and Kyrie was out uh, for portions of the season. They did make the game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals last year without. Hayward and Kyrie Irving, but now what's the pressure like for this year that, you, you know, you, you do get a budding Tatum, a better Jalen Brown, a healthy Kyrie, a healthy Gordon Hayward, there's no LeBron in the Eastern Conference, you know, standing right in front of you. Is the pressure more now that, hey, listen, you guys are the best team, you know, not only in the Eastern Conference, but you're probably top two, top three in the whole entire NBA, and... You guys are now expected to be in the NBA Finals. Is the pressure more now than it has been in recent times? Oh yeah, this is this is a different feeling going into this season for sure, because they are the the expected Eastern Conference finalists. There, mm. it's if you told everybody right now, Celtics uh, Warriors in the finals, people go, yeah, I could see it. You know that most people would say that. And that's different for the Celtics. That's different for Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens has never gone into a season with a team expected to get to the finals. Mm. He in, in anything, not at Butler. He, he's always been the underdog. And now he has to switch a little bit of the mentality and manage the team differently. Now, I say that I don't know if he'd ever say that he has to manage things differently. I think he he would say that you focus on the little things, and if you do all the little things right, the big things are going to happen. And it doesn't matter what the expectations are because you're you're dealing with the day to day, just getting better at basketball things. But 
the players know the play Kyrie Hayward Tatum Brown they all know people want a piece of them look uh Terry Rozier was in GQ magazine earlier Jason Tatum is on the cover of slam this month these guys are are being sought after they're doing photo shoots they're doing more interviews mm. it's very easy to fall into a trap when that's happening of hey look at how awesome we are I I know I would sit there and be like, oh, look at this. I'm on slam this month. Look at how great I am. Like I would my ego would start to inflate. And as much as Brad Stevens wants to say we focus on the daily things and doing things the right way, he has to be careful of these guys falling into traps that come along with being good and being expected to be good. And that's just different for him he's never had to deal with that in, on the nba level so we'll see how that goes i don't expect it to be a problem necessarily this season mm. and they've already had a pretty tough preseason so i think he's already got a little bit of ammunition of look when you guys don't care when you guys kind of relax this is what happens you look like crap so he has ammunition right now but it's still it's still a challenge. It's a challenge to have all of these guys who can shoot and score because if you said give the ball to Jalen Brown, have him go one-on-one, if he's, got, if he's got the right matchup, he can do it. He can dribble. He can drive. He can dunk on people. He can do it. All Everybody in the starting five has a potential to average 15 points or more and get up 15 or more shots. And then you still got Rozier and Marcus Morris coming off the bench who like to shoot. Marcus Smart who will get playing time. And likes to shoot, doesn't make as many shots, but he likes to shoot. And the, there's a question of balancing out this offense and who gets the shots and is everybody going to be happy? And some guys who were in finishing lineups last season aren't going to be in finishing lineups this season. And how is that going to impact things? So there are a lot of challenges mm-hmm. that definitely go along with being this good and this deep. People always like to say, Oh, it's a good problem to have, and it is. You'd rather have a bunch of good players than not a bunch of good players. Right, but it still presents a challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned it. You know, the Rozier was on the GQ, and you know he got a new shoe deal from Puma. Uh, Tatum was on the cover of Slam. Kyrie had the whole uh, Uncle Drew movie coming out this year, and he, you know later on he also apologized for the flat Earth comment. <laughs> yes very interesting summer for boston um <laughs> now I, I i'm sure a lot of fans are you know happy that Kyrie's coming back healthy gordon hayward's coming back healthy um how you know the fan base more than i do but how how ready are the fans to finally you know see this team full you know 100 fully healthy oh man i mean it's exciting you had this you know this tease last year and the last time we saw everybody playing well together was the last preseason game and man, they were flying around and it was awesome. And then the injury happened and we're we're always sitting there saying as much as they're succeeding, they still don't have Hayward and and Kyrie had the, the problems with that stuff that was holding his knee together now that all that stuff is out, we're, we're, the, the excitement, it's like it's like the, the horse loading up into the cage at the Kentucky Derby. It just wants to it just wants to bust out of the gates and just run and sprint like we want to we want to just bust out of the gates and be like, 
start like 25 and two or something like that. I think this season the fans are need to kind of relax mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, so the Celtics, like I just said, had a, a kind of a disappointing preseason. That they did some, they did more right than people realize, but they still a bunch of shots weren't falling. The shots that they were taking were crap. They they really have a lot to still figure out with one another. Their defense is way off. I think we as a fan base in Boston basically said, well, we got to the conference finals and basically if they could have hit a shot in, in game seven, they would have gone to the NBA finals. And then we just add Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. Poof. We're going to be awesome. We're going to be warriors yeah. East. And no matter what we do, we're just going to keep winning. And it doesn't matter how much we screw around. We're just going to win because we're awesome. And that's just not going to happen. It's just that you can't, the Celtics are good, but not good enough to win just because they're awesome. And and even the Warriors aren't good enough to do that. They're they're good enough to you know step out of the halftime, be down twenty points, and then whip out a thirty five to fifteen quarter and be back in the game. And but they're they actually have to put forth an effort. And the Celtics might be able to do something similar, but you have to put forth an effort. So I think Celtics fans need to just kind of reset their expectations a little bit. Ultimately, they're going to be good. But like, I've already started to get the questions in preseason. Should we be worried? Like, <laughs> you know, like, come on. Uh-huh. So they're, they're excited, to say the least. Yeah. I mean, did, did at any point during the summertime, offseason, you or, or any of the fans kind of feel like, hey, man, hey, listen, man, if, if we went to game seven with against the Cavaliers, Without Kyrie and without Gordon Hayward, could you imagine if we had both of them? Like, did, no, do, do any of you feel summer. like, <laughs> like, do any of you guys feel like, man, if we had them both, we could have, we could have beat Cleveland and and gave Golden State a run for their money? I feel like, I feel like fans, like Boston fans, have seen the Celtics play the Warriors well, and that they they match up mm-hmm. pretty pretty well. You know, obviously the Warriors are better, but. The Celtics have beaten the Warriors, and they they do have matchups in the right places to kind of challenge Golden State and and make it a series. And yeah, if if Hayward was there and if, if Kyrie was there, then you you have to expect that they would have gotten past Cleveland mm-hmm. and got to the the finals. But at the same time. It's hard to just plug players in like that and then say, "Yeah, look, look at how good everybody else is." And we plug these two guys in; they would have been, they would have been great. Right. But if you plug those two guys in, well, is Jason Tatum what he what he was and what he is? True. Like Jason Tatum was probably not on the cover of Slam Magazine. Now people are like holding him up to be a potential All Star this year. So there's, it's hard to just say if they were there, if this, then that. Yeah. Because you don't know how it would have impacted the other players, but it, it, I don't think anybody's looking back on that with any sort of regret. It, the injuries happened, and who knows? But I think everybody's just pretty pretty happy to be in the position they're in now, and to have everybody healthy now, and just waiting for Gordon Hayward to kind of get himself back to what he was, and so the Celtics can kind of we can really see what they are at full power. With the Eastern Conference, you know, you know, I assume that everybody has you guys in the finals, but you know, Philly is getting better. Toronto got Kawhi Leonard from San Antonio. Um, 
you know, Indiana still has Oladipo. They took LeBron to Game Seven last year. Uh, the, the Knicks made minor improvements, um, but who who are the biggest threats to Boston in in trying to get to the finals? Well, I think Toronto is at the top of that list because of Kawhi Leonard, uh, and not just Kawhi Leonard. I, I nobody's talking about Danny Green. What kind of mm-hmm. addition he was. I think Danny Green's an important addition to to that team. Those two guys address a big, big problem that caused Toronto to fall completely apart against the Cavaliers. They both are excellent three-point shooters. Obviously, Kawhi is one of the best defensive players in the world. Danny Green's a pretty good defensive player, too. He's a good two-way player. So they've solidified with those two guys – two major, major issues, you know, the, the DeRozan inability to be a reliable three point shooter, uh, the inability to really defend at a high level and get the stops that they needed. Now they can go out there and be a pretty good defensive team. And the improvements of, uh, Ananobi, uh, Siakam, the, you know, they have, you know, Van Vliet, they, they've got some they've got some pretty good depth that they're going to be some good players that may not see much time. They, they have players in the right places and the depth to challenge the Celtics. If, if Kawhi Leonard is his former self, then he's either the best or the second best player in the conference next to, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, mm-hmm. then they would be the number one challenger. I think, to the Celtics. Now, Philly, people talk about Philly. Philly's obviously really good. I'm not thrilled with the shooting that they lost. Right. And the question there is obviously what's Markel Fultz going to be? That's obviously the, the major question. If Markel Fultz can come in and if his retooled shot, let's call it, mm-hmm. is anywhere near good, if it's okay, if he's a threat, yeah. then he then you have to guard him and if you have to guard him out and worry about his shot then he's a he's still an excellent dribbler he's he's an excellent passer so he can be the guy that takes pressure off of Ben Simmons and allows Ben Simmons space to drive and it doesn't matter that he doesn't shoot much from outside at all from outside he can still get the space he needs to drive the the other thing is i i wonder what Joel Embiid is eventually going to become because Joel Embiid is obviously very, very good, but offensively, I think he's a work, he's a work in progress. And I just, I kind of wonder a little bit if he's going to, if he's going to refine that offensive game a little bit. And we also saw the Celtics able to nullify him with Al Horford, pull him completely out of the, the paint and take away the biggest, uh, his biggest threat, which was, protecting the rim so the the loss of shooting and spreading the floor for Simmons by losing Bellinelli and Ilyasova that's that's a big deal we'll see how they they recover but there there are a few more question marks with Philly now Milwaukee I think is right there and can be a really really tough challenge to uh to the Celtics in the east they they could be they could supplant Philly and become the the uh the third seed if Giannis Antetokounmpo 
continues to improve, and if he adds a jump shot, we saw him taking some some longer range shots in the, in the preseason. If he can add that jump shot, and if the additional shooting, the, you know, they have Ilyasova, and um, they got uh, Brook Lopez, guys who can space the floor. Mm. You know, with Middleton out there spacing the floor, Giannis. Look, we, I just talked about Simmons getting space to drive. Giannis, oh my God, can you imagine him driving yeah. and, and having extra space? And if, if you have to respect his jump shot a little bit more, then he's an MVP candidate. In fact, I think Giannis becomes the MVP this season. I think he, he'll he win it this year. And I think the Bucks will challenge for that third, sl- third seed. So I think the top four in the East are going to be very, very, very good teams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but in order, I'll say Toronto is the biggest challenger to Boston. I think Boston is at the top. Toronto is right there with them. And I can see why people might put Toronto above Boston. I, I, I get it. The only thing about Toronto that I didn't mention before is they've got a new coach. And that's that's the biggest thing. How how are they going to respond to having, you know, Nick Nurse versus Dwayne Casey? And so there, that question mark, I think, with Brad Stevens as the Celtics coach, and that the fact that they're still the, the, basically the same team from last year that that elevates them above Toronto. But Toronto's right there. Philly and Milwaukee are battling for third, and it's not going to be an easy run. Like the Celtics run through the playoffs, if they have to face two of those three teams, it's gonna, that's going to be very difficult. The Miami Heat are still trying to get Jimmy Butler. Um, if they happen to get him depending on who they give up. How much of a monkey wrench does Miami throw into the mix for, for Boston in the event they, they wind up with, with Butler? Well, it really depends on who they give up. You know, like that really, it's hard to say. Mm. Uh, are they, who are they relying on? Are they giving up, I don't know, Winslow? They just, they just re-signed Winslow. Uh, yeah. Are they, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think getting Jimmy Butler. I don't think adding Jimmy Butler to that team. I mean, it makes him better, but I don't think it makes him a a significant challenge because they still the Celtics still have ways to beat the the Heat, uh, especially like Whiteside. Whiteside can't stay on the floor with the Celtics. He's just they they'll space him out and he will not be effective. And he he'll if he's gets frustrated and starts hunting for block shots, then he's going to lose his man and the Celtics will just punish that matchup hard the whole game. I just don't see Miami. Miami's going to be good. They'll, they'll be, I think they will be a playoff team, like a six or seven seed. Maybe they could be on par with the wizards. <clears throat> I think, you know, I think the fifth seed in the East would probably be like Indiana and then six, seven, eight is going to be, you know, some, some combination of, Washington, Miami, um, Charlotte. I I have belief in Charlotte. Um, I said Washington. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, Detroit could be in that mix. I, I think you know. I'm, I don't like Detroit, but <laughs> yeah, you sound like a true Celtic fan right there. <laughs> <laughs> I just I I don't like I don't like the team that they have. Yeah. Of, of course, when I see that Pistons and that logo, I'm like ugh. But. Yeah. I, I just don't. I don't even like that team. And now, you know, they've got Casey now, and they'll, you know, uh, Casey has an opportunity to. He, he has a reputation of getting the most out of his guys, at least during the regular season. And 
who knows? They, I mean, they, they could, they could be a challenger in there. Uh, but I don't think adding Jimmy Butler moves the needle a ton for Miami. Do do would you say? I know the number one answer would be the Lakers, but do Celtic? You know, keep it keeping it with uh, within the East. Do Celtic fans have more hatred against toward Philly fans, New York fans, or Detroit fans? Well, yes, to all three. Oh man, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but right now there's a little. Philly Boston thing going on. Okay. And there's a definite and I'm I'm basing it a lot uh what I see on Twitter. Uh there's the Philly fans were feeling themselves last year. And I think Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You've got see Philly fans I are I'll I'll just say that they're crazy. <laughs> Philly, just Philadelphia sports fans are insane. And so the Sixers went through, quote, unquote, the process. And now they see this as this grand retribution and confirmation that the process worked, that any of the process doubters were, you know, idiots. And here we are back on top. And they've, it took them a while. Now that they're good again, these fans are coming out of the woodworks and just like celebrating as hard, like they just won a championship. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is that Philly made that huge run last year at the end of the season. And what did they win? 16 straight games or something like that, whatever yeah. it was. But they beat up on some of the worst teams in the league. And they, they, we're getting big contributions from guys like Marco Bellinelli, like th- who are solid players, mm. but you know, there's, there's a reason those guys bounce around forever. So when it came time to face the Celtics and the Celtics won in five games, I heard a lot of, you know, this, this the, the Sixers easily could have won this series four one. Like, okay, well, I mean, you did lose the series in five (laughs) games. And there's a reason why you lost the series in five games. Mm. It's because your team wasn't good. And yet they were close. They were mostly close games. Mm -hmm. But the reason why you didn't win and the reason why the Celtics did is because the Celtics players were better. They were calmer under pressure and they were able to do things and execute plays that Philly Philly star players, star players, were not able to do. Like, Joel Embiid was not effective at all to the point where they had to hide him defensively on certain players because they could not have him guard Al Horford because Al Horford was taking him out of the paint and, and dragging him away from the rim, and he was not effective as, as a defender because he he's a shot blocker and he was nowhere near the rim to block any shots. He also made some very horrible turnovers in clutch situations. That's that's your star player. Now, he's a very young star player, but that's part of the the growth process. That that he'll learn from those things. It's not I'm not saying that he sucks. It's like he was too young to execute in those in those situations. Ben mm-hmm. Simmons, yeah, who was 
a rookie, a second-year rookie, is out there. He scored one point in a playoff game, and he yeah. absolutely refused to shoot a three. And he's obviously he's not a, a, a three-point shooter, but he's got to get himself to a point where he's at least somewhat of a threat. There's a great photo that Celtics fans pass around of Ben Simmons above the three-point line and Al Horford, who had switched onto him, below the free throw line. And he did he not shoot it. that. And and Celtics fans, if you've seen it all over Twitter, have latched onto shoot a three, you coward. And that's been the thing that they've thrown at Philly fans. And Philly fans have cannot, cannot handle that. Mm. They cannot handle when Celtics fans say shoot a three, you coward to Ben Simmons. It enrages them. And they really don't have much of a comeback. And it's... Until Ben Simmons is out there taking taking a three in that situation. Just show that you are willing to shoot that shot wide open. And if you make a couple, then you soften up the defense. And that helps everybody. But anyway, that's that's the Celtics-Philly back and forth. Like We'll see what happens this year. But Philly fans are really, really chomping at the bit to come at the Celtics next. Yeah. Um, you know, also with the East, not saying they're any they're going to be a threat to to Boston, but you know, the, you know, the uh, Trey Young is now with the Hawks. Uh, you know, rookie over there, Dwight Howard is now with the Wizards. Uh, Blake Griffin gets a full year with uh, Detroit, so interesting to see how that happens. Tony Parker is now on the Charlotte Hornets, and um, you know, Mario Hazonia is in New York now, John. So you guys better watch out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look. I I was pushing for Danny Ainge to trade for Hazonia last mm. year. I I was pushing, and they uh, I, was, I got so pissed at the at the Magic because they were they actually started playing him and starting him and giving him more minutes, and he started playing better. I was really hoping that they would just cut bait with him because they they did they didn't offer him the extension, and I was just thinking like, hey, you know. Why not see if they'll take like a second round pick or two seconds or something like that for this guy that they clearly don't want? Because I think that he's too young to be discarded. And we saw he kind of finished the season strong. Mm -hmm. I I don't know what he's going to be, but I think this is the type and it's a one year deal with the Knicks. This is the type of thing where you, you kick the tires on a guy. He could work out and he's young enough where if you find the right role, the right situation, the right coach, the right teammates, you never know what you can get out of him. I still have faith that Hazonia can be a productive player because just his size and his skill set, if he can find it, if it's in there somewhere and somebody can pull it out of him, that he could be a productive, a good productive player on a good team. So, he could be the type of guy that maybe he's your sixth or seventh man, or maybe he's a starter that becomes like a fourth option type of guy. I don't know. I don't know. But I I don't hate that for New York. I think that's actually not a bad move. Hey, and also, um, Jabari Parker goes home. He goes to Chicago. So I, I, I did forget that part, too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I don't have as many nice things to say about Jabari Parker. Oh. Okay. Which sucks because I liked him coming out of college, but it's, you know, I, I just, I don't know. Mm. I, I don't know. And he's going to the bench 
in, in Chicago. So he can't even be a starter at this point in Chicago. Like uh, that's, wow. I don't, I don't know. Again, he's another guy. He's young. It's hard to give up on these young players, but I, I'm not, I, I didn't like the way his season ended in Milwaukee. I don't think he handled it particularly well. Mm. I mean, beyond the injuries, I, I I'm kind of I'm kind of out on Jabari Parker right now. Uh, I do have a few more before I let you go. Um, kind of wrap this up in a few questions. Uh, Slam Magazine they had Kyrie in the top twenty. Uh, you already mentioned you might have Giannis for MVP, but what kind of do you think we'll get an MVP like season from Kyrie Irving uh, this year? Well, the, it's going to be tough for the Celtics to have an MVP type guy on their team because there's so many good players Mm -hmm. that it's in the team's best interest to spread that shot, the the, the shots around. Um, You'll, you'll have a bunch of guys who are really, really good. Um, Kyrie will obviously, I think be the best of them all. Uh, I think Gordon Hayward has an opportunity to challenge for that, best on the team if he gets back to the type of player that he was pre-injury. Uh, I think people sleep on how good Gordon Hayward is, uh, but that's another discussion. I think that to be an MVP, you have to be like the clear, clear, clear number one. You have to carry your team. And Kyrie like Kyrie could be in that, well, the best player on the best team gets MVP consideration and it kind of depends on what Kyrie ends up doing as a scorer. If he ends up averaging 27 points a game, then yeah, but I don't think that this, this Celtics team needs him to be a 27 point a game guy. I think the Celtics team is better if he's a 22 point per game guy. And instead of taking those extra shots, he's passing the ball and, and other guys get those shots. So Tatum and Hayward and Brown and Al Horford get uh, you know their fair share of shots. So that who, you how do you defend the Celtics team? Like I, I've always said with the Celtics team, you can be pick your poison. Like okay, you want to you want to pinch on you know Kyrie drives. Okay, fine. Then he'll kick it out and hockey assist to Jalen Brown on a corner three. Like that's the, the Celtics are are that good offensively where. Any one of those guys can take if, – if any one of those guys gets an open shot, it's going down. So I just don't – I don't think that any Celtic has a particularly overwhelming season that gets them that level of consideration. Uh, just a few weeks ago, Kyrie, you know, they had a, a thing at, at the, the Boston Garden, you know, TD Garden, and he kind of said – or he, he did say, you know, he plans to resign with – the team and yeah if if you guys will have me you know i don't know i don't know know what that part means of course they'll have him um but right now all signs point toward to Kyrie staying with the celtics um the 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 likelihood of him staying that's number one number two him leaving but does him leaving depend on if they get to the finals if they win a championship so how confident are you that Kyrie will be a Boston Celtic next year? Well, I'm going to put it at 99% confidence because I'm going to leave that 1% op- open just for the possibility of something weird happening. You don't know. Uh, he said flat out, I intend to resign. And I think he wanted to put those potential rumors to rest. He, he just didn't want to deal with that all season long. 
uh, he is in a great situation in Boston. He mm-hmm. is the clear team leader. He is on a uh, really, really good team of guys that he likes being around and a coach that he can't stop saying the best things about. And they just, they, this season opened up a, a new practice facility that is the most state of the art facility. Like the guys can't stop talking about their practice facility for God's sakes. And you know, all of the, the toys and the bells and whistles in that thing that help with their recovery. And it, it just, I think he sees the Celtics as a team that cares about its players. And it's not to say that other teams don't, but some teams seem to care about their players more than others. And he just came from a situation in Cleveland where it, it seemed like they cared about one player. And as long as that player was happy, everyone else was kind of, eh, you know, so he's in a situation now where they see, he sees that they will care for everybody. They, they care a lot about team, their players, mental health. They care about their physical health. They've got all the recovery tools, all the, all the trainers, all the everything, everything, everything. He likes it in Boston. Now, it's still October, and that's next July, and that's a long time for something to potentially happen. So I'll never say 100% of anything mm-hmm. until a guy signs. But I, I, he has said the thought of starting over is terrible, and – I don't know. Sometimes you you can see the way somebody says it. It's he me, he meant it. Like he yeah. He, you could see like a pained expression on his face. Like I know he's an actor now and he's in a movie, but he's not that good <laughs> of an actor. So I, I think that Kyrie will definitely be back um, again because Kyrie's kind of a an oddball. Then I'll I'll leave that one percent and. If he does leave, it's it's because something has changed internally with the team, and it's not that – I don't think he's going to be like, hey, I want a, a title in Boston now. Now let me see if I can win a title somewhere else. I don't think that's I don't think that's his goal. I think if he wins a title in Boston this year, then he's going to stay because mm. he wants to win a second and a third. And, you know, like he when, – when he said, I want to see my number 11 up in those rafters, mm. I think he meant it. And – I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this. I know how it'll be perceived by some people who listen. The Boston the Boston mystique is is real, and I say that because when a player walks into the garden and looks up and sees 17 banners and sees all of those numbers retired, that player and I I say this. Because I've heard players say it over and over and over again. Players who weren't sure about coming to Boston. And you get to Boston, you go, oh, I get it. Kevin Garnett wasn't sure about coming to Boston. He came to Boston. He saw it immediately. He was like, yep, I see it. I totally understand it now. Mm-hmm. All these players who didn't know have come to Boston and they see it. You, you see legends, legends of the game, Hall of Famers come through practice they want they come back it's almost like a college where the guys go back to college and they they say, hey this is how it's been go oh, look at this practice facility you know what i used to do we used to practice at a freaking small college gymnasium like right. stuff like that so i definitely think that kyrie came to boston it wasn't on his original list he didn't never 
never thought, hey, I'm going to come to Boston and like this is uh, whatever. I, I want to be a Celtic. But he, he did come to Boston and he saw it and he started to understand it. Now, let's also throw into the mix that his father was a pretty damn good basketball player for Boston University. So there's already a Boston connection for the Irving family. So being a legend in Boston is meaningful to Kyrie Irving. So I, I, I think that he sees that if I win a title or two and I can put my number in those rafters, then I am an, an NBA legend and a Boston Celtics legend. And that's just like being a, a Lakers legend or a Sixers or Knicks. Like you, there's a mystique with some of these teams that if you're a legend in Boston, that's that means something special to these players. They can see it. So I, I that's why I really believe Kyrie when he says it. Hey man, I think out of you know I I can't go back to you know every single trade uh, or anybody who says you know I I, I want to get traded from a team. I think Kyrie has to be somewhere in the top three top five most luckiest players who say hey you know i don't want to be here i i i want to get traded and have no trade clause to to determine where you go or where you don't want to go and you you end up on a team that you know could be in finals contention, could be in, in playoff contention, could be you, you could win a championship with this team in, 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 in the next year or two. Anybody else who would have said, I want to get traded, John, Kyrie could have been a Sacramento King. He could have been an L.A. Clipper. He could have been a, a Phoenix Sun. And Cleveland could have traded him to wherever they wanted to. But the fact and the notion that he gets traded to, I guess at the time, a rival of that team and they're young, they're good, got a good coach and good system. And within maybe three years, he'll probably win one more ring. Like, uh, you know, Kyrie's very lucky, man. How lucky do you, is Kyrie nowadays? Yeah, look, I mean, he's he's in a great situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, to come out of a situation where he, he wasn't, he didn't like he didn't like being what he was in Cleveland, and and look, he's he's a young guy. Yeah, he's still figuring his stuff out, and you know, to be in a stable environment like this, to have walked into essentially like a, a team that's going to be pretty good for a long time, and to. Be part of that team. You know, next season he'll get to sign a five-year deal, so he'll be with this team for at least seven years. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And you know, there, there's been a lot of luck involved. There's always luck involved when you're constructing a team, and it, luck on the player side for being part of it. Luck on the GM side. Like Danny Ainge got lucky with some of these things. He got lucky that Philly was what it was, and that. The you know they they wanted Markel Fultz so badly that they gave the Celtics the potential second pick in next year's draft mm. for the right to draft Jason Tatum like that's that's lucky that's a pretty good situation to be in yeah. the the fact that the Celtics took advantage of the Brooklyn Nets and were lucky back then that the Nets and Prokhorov were so hell bent on taking over New York that they gave up those unprotected picks. And that the Celtics turned one of those picks 
into another pick next. Like that's that whole chain reaction. Like you got to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, you do. You you and you also have to be good enough to take advantage of it. And then when they were planning on being in a situation like the Kyrie Irving is lucky that the Phoenix Suns were terrible and had, you know, screwed up because Phoenix Suns traded Isaiah Thomas to Boston. And because Isaiah Thomas came to Boston, he was good enough that the Cavaliers were like, all right, we'll take him as part of the deal. And like, then that's, that's what makes Kyrie lucky. It's it's like this huge butterfly effect that you never know what one thing will lead to. So yeah, Kyrie definitely lucky. The Celtics definitely lucky. They're lucky that Brad Stevens didn't go to a different team that, he accepted this deal and that that Brad Stevens is as good as he is like a lot of things have to break right to be in this situation yeah uh two more uh John um yeah it, it, with the whole thing with Kyrie staying and um correct me if I'm wrong but there's a rumor or something like that where uh he's already started recruiting or talked to certain players and one name that's out there is is Anthony Davis. I know Ann Davis is is a name mm. you'll probably hear all year with staying with New Orleans. Is he gonna go with LeBron? Could he signed with with you know his agent and stuff like that. But you know, let let let's fantasy book this. Uh and Ann Davis as a Boston Celtic, um can it be done and how do you get it done? It can be done, but it can't be done during the regular season uh, because of the uh, – I want to get this right. There's a the, the max contract, the max extension that he signed. It's that um, – that's – I forget the name of it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's like the Rose Rule. It's the Rose Rule extension. And oh, okay, okay. The, the fact that um, Kyrie – Signed his his current contract is a rose rule extension. Anthony Davis's current contract is a rose rule extension, and the rule is you can't have two rose rule contracts on the same team at the same time. Hmm. So the the Celtics and the Pelicans are legally unable to execute a trade during this regular season that pairs Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis. They have to wait until Kyrie Irving opts out of his contract next year. Once he signs a new contract, then they can then they can make a trade. So that's step one. So a, a trade for Anthony Davis can't happen before July first, essentially. Okay. Now, on July first, what, what they could do is they could agree in principle before July first and say, okay. We're going to give you – it would have to include Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, A, for being you know a good player. B, because he's got a contract now that works for salary matching purposes because his, his contract is going to be like – was like $10, $11 million. When you start to pair that with other guys, so you'd have to give up like Jalen Brown mm. and maybe – Somebody else, like you have to give up another one of your young players, mm. and then you'd have to give up basically all of your draft picks. Wow. So the Celtics can center a deal around smart Jalen Brown, some other young player, not Jason Tatum. Uh, wouldn't be Terry Rozier because he's a restricted free agent. 
Um, and then they can agree to send all of these picks to the Pelicans. And they can agree to that. Let's say they agree to it in June. And I say, we can't execute it till July because of what I just told you. But right. we'll make your draft pick for you anyway. We'll make, this will be your draft. We'll make all your draft picks. And then in July, we'll execute the trade and be done with it. So that's, that's, if it happens, that's how I would see it going down. But how many how many picks are we talking about? When you say uh, all your picks, are we talking about two, yeah. about three? So the, the I don't know if people understand that the Celtics have potentially four draft picks in this upcoming draft. So wow, they have they have in a best case scenario. This is the best case scenario. Sacramento next year gets the second pick in the NBA draft. That goes to Boston. So that was part of the trade for Markel Fultz that Philadelphia gave Boston either Sacramento's pick next year that's only top one protected or Philly's pick if Sacramento's pick goes number one. So if Sacramento gets the number one overall pick next year, it goes to Philly. If they get two through whatever, it goes to Boston. Mm -hmm. So Boston's best case scenario is they get the second pick in the draft. Now, next, they have a first-round draft pick from Memphis, and that was part of a, I believe, Jeff Green deal. That's protected one through eight in this upcoming draft. So if Memphis has the ninth pick or lower, then the Celtics get that. The Celtics also have a first-round pick from the Clippers, protected one through 14. So if the Clippers get the 15th pick or lower, the Boston gets that pick. And then Boston has their own selection, which will theoretically be somewhere around 25 or less, depending on their, their record. So in a best-case scenario, Boston could have the 2nd, ninth, 15th, and 20-something pick in next year's draft. And all in the 2019 draft in June. So... When I say all of the picks, that's what I mean. Or and Davis can just become a Laker. <laughs> <laughs> or stay. Or that. Or that. Um that was a lot. Uh last one um you know uh, again, last one on Kyrie, the, uh, somebody asked him can can Boston beat Golden State in a seven game series if they were to be in the NBA finals. Everybody on earth has these two teams ending up in June together. Um, both healthy, both hitting their strides. I, I can't forget Golden State added Boogie Cousins out, out of all of this. Um, mm -hmm. can, can, can this team, if they both remain the same, no other trades or whatever, can this Boston Celtic team take Golden State to a seven-game series and possibly win the NBA Finals? They can. Um, they, I wouldn't, if, I, if you said put a paycheck down on it. I wouldn't. They can though. I mean, well, first of all, there's the obvious anything could happen in, in the finals. Second of all, there's, they match up fairly well, you know, like Kyrie and Steph are not going to stop one another. We've already seen that though. Those guys, I mean, Steph's obviously a better shooter and equally good ball handler and both great passers. So, but I don't want to say they cancel each other out, but, Neither of them is going to stop the other. So you go to the next matchup. Clay Thompson against uh, 
Gordon Hayward or however it matches up. The Celtics switch everything anyway, but let's see. Yeah. Clay Thompson, Gordon Hayward, both equally good. They're both going to be like 40% three-point shooters. Uh, Clay is a better defender. So, you know, you'd say Clay, most people would probably say like Steph has an edge over Kyrie, that Clay might have an edge over uh, Gordon Hayward. Okay, that's fine. I can give that to you, but it's 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 pretty close. Durant is obviously the best player in the series, but Jalen Brown is a hell of a defender, and nothing's going to come easy. And he's got the length and athleticism to at least challenge. So, but Durant is Durant, and I'm not going to say anything like I'm not going to say anything stupid. Yeah, but I will say that Jalen Brown is a an elite defender, and he will at least make. Durant work as hard as anybody will make Durant work. And you just got to go with whatever that is. Uh, Draymond Green and Al Horford are similar, not in style, but similar in impact and production and importance. So that leaves Jason Tatum. And I don't know who, who are the, the, the Warriors going to throw out there in their, as their fifth starter. Like that's, that's going to be the question. Is it going to be, are they going to go small? If they go small with Draymond at the five, and mm. then they put what Livingston or Iguodala out there, the Celtics have an advantage. That's their one advantage in the starting lineup. Whoever Tatum versus whomever, and then now you get into the depth, and this is where they they have an interesting matchup. What's Demarcus Cousins going to be? How good is he going to be? That's he'd be the best player coming off the bench, or if he starts. That'd be an interesting matchup. I don't know how he would be defensively, but anyway, uh, the Celtics bench matches up pretty well with, with the Warriors bench. Obviously, all of this is to say the Warriors have advantages at most of these spots, but the advantages aren't particularly huge other than maybe you can say Durant, but the Celtics have a couple of things, a couple of guys that will be problematic and then it just becomes who can execute better, who can defend better. And the Celtics have had a really good defensive team. If the Celtics can be a better defensive team, and the Warriors have always been a pretty good defensive team, I think that these guys, this is a series that would be competitive. Mm-hmm. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't be like just a rollover. Like the Warriors would have to work hard to beat the Celtics. And I think the Celtics could win a couple of games. It could go right. six or seven. I mean, listen, man, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's something fresh last four years. It, it's been bought uh, boss. It's been Cleveland and golden state. Uh, you might still have the same Western conference team. unless something dramatic happens out West with Houston or somebody else. Uh, I think the Rockets are the biggest threat to the Warriors getting back there. Uh, I think, uh, Toronto might be the biggest threat to Boston getting there. If they end up, I think it'll be a, a great, fantastic series. It, you know, it won't go five like last year or, or sweep like last year and five the year before. But uh, I think the overall NBA year should be very, very fun, very interesting. I do want to say, you know, good luck to Boston out there and, you know, remain healthy, play play well and uh, give us give us a different finals than w- what we've seen uh, recently, man. Oh, well, I, I appreciate all the kind words and all of, all of this. Uh, I don't know what to do with it necessarily, <laughs> but 
Uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Hey, man, first, the first NBA Finals without LeBron since uh, 20, 2010. You know, that, that is a lot. That is a lot to, 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 to take in. I'm excited for it. I, no matter what happens, I'm excited for that to be the case. And then hopefully you 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 play the Knicks next year in the uh, conference finals. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. you never know. <laughs> um, John Corrales from RedsArmy.com, Locked On Celtics podcast on on iTunes. He's on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. Always appreciate it, my man. Hey, my pleasure, man. It's always a fun time. All right, man. Take it easy.